You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. Trees, mountains, a curious kiddo. It's time for the Green Desk with Francis on 95BFM. This week is Conservation Week for 2022. Conservation Week focuses on how we can take action for nature, which not only benefits nature, but also our personal well-being. Otago PhD candidate Nick Foster and his team are doing some serious mahi in conservation research down in the Southern Alps. They are mighty and they are beautiful, but the Southern Alps could also make one heck of a predator-free sanctuary. Foster and his team have studied how mountain ranges can be used as barriers to species such as stoats, hedgehogs and mice. I caught up with Nick this morning to talk about how the idea would work in real life, the hope he sees it bringing to those working so hard to eradicate pests, and what conservation means for Foster and his team. Here we are now. Why don't you begin by telling me where the idea for your research came about? Sure. Uh, So the idea for this research came about by looking at this you know, this quite ecologically unique area in the Mackenzie Basin in New Zealand's South Island and you know, recognising that we had all of these really important biodiversity values to protect and looking at ways that we could you know, protect this area from introduced predators. What we have here are really big landforms, so naturally we were really interested to see how we could use those to, to you know, make these, this big sanctuary. And how big is the team that's working on your research project down there? The uh, Tamanahuna Araki project is its a pretty new project. There's about 12 people sort of working out of Twizel and uh, we have support from our colleagues uh, elsewhere around the country at Zero Invasive Predators. So there's, there's quite a, a few people on that, but I think just in the day-to-day operations, there's about 10 to 12. Let's chat a little bit about what you're actually doing down there. I guess, do you want to start off by telling me what what the biggest threat to alpine species are and then and then how you're actually doing the study. What does that look like practically in the day-to-day for you? In, in terms of alpine species in particular, um, stoats are the biggest threat to those. Uh, they seem to be more numerous and more prevalent in the mid to upper elevations. So for species like rock wren or kia, uh, stoats are the real problem. Uh, so, and to answer the second part of your question, the how we went about this was in the in the height of summer when we would expect all of these pest species distributions to be at their maximum. We went out and you know, walked up these hills with a bunch of these motion-activated cameras and and put them out hundreds and hundreds of sites and and learnt you know what were the upper elevation limits for all of these different species, what was happening on the ground that sort of predicted their the distribution. So was it, you know, a lack of vegetation up high that um, prevented species from moving over mountain ranges? And we took that information, uh, we built these models, and uh, we, we then applied that information to the wider landscape that we had. And, you know, by doing so, we learnt which landforms were going to act as barriers to which species. And this study is a bit of a first of its kind. I mean, we've always thought that mountains might be pest barriers, but yeah, I understand this study is the first to actually analyse that. So how might your work change the way that conservation is done in areas with mountains? Yeah, you're right. So it's long been presumed that uh, mountains do act as barriers and just 
by looking at them, you'd say, that makes sense. Um, there's no way I'm getting over that thing. <laughs> like, what chance does a, a little hedgehog or a rat have? Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of these conservation programs are running around the country under this premise, but this research enables us to actually, you know, apply real-life data and and to say with confidence one way or the other that, yes, that looks like a, a really good barrier for this species or or that looks a little bit gappy, and these are the areas that we think are going to be the leaking points. So the implications this has for management is that we know where to invest all of this effort um, to remove pests because it's like a you know it makes sense from an investment point of view. We can we can hold these biodiversity gains, and we will be able to guide where we put the effort to basically detect and respond to individuals that do come through those leaky points. So. It's got some pretty big um, operational uh, benefits and, and also just kind of like a, you know, it's it's a good starting point for um, conceptually, you know, designing mm-hmm. these predator-free sanctuaries around the country. And what does intervention look like at those leaking points? Is that where eradication tools would be used? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there's um, there's a few options there. Uh, we've been trialling a high-altitude fence, so um, it's it's basically a fence that's quite robust and it can stand up to really, really high winds and snow loading. So, for you know a low mountain pass that you know has continuous vegetation over it, um, we may choose to actually install a fence for you know to keep species like hedgehogs out. However, for the more mobile species that can, you know, jump quite high, the taller the fence, the more likely it is to be tipped over. Um, what that might be is, you know, installing a network of detection devices or otherwise like traps or lethal devices where you'd expect that animal to incur and, you know, putting a, a lot of effort into making sure that you are getting those individuals that come in or at least that you know about them so that you can target them when they do. And how long have you guys been working on this study for? So Tamanahuna Araki Project started in 2018. Uh, that was the start of its kind of feasibility study where amongst this bit of research, um, we you know, spent a lot of time learning about a lot of other things about the project. And only uh, earlier this year um, did the project go into its first five-year phase of what may be 15 to 20 years of, of work to you know to completely remove um, predators from 310,000 hectares. I shouldn't say just uh, predators, um, pests as well. So we're we're targeting rabbits and hares and that sort of thing. Yeah, this piece of research took, uh, I think, a total of two and a half years to complete. Uh, Actually, about three years. (laughs) Wow, okay, so it's been been quite a feat um, and, yeah, definitely applied to a long-term goal there. Um, Are there any further areas of study or, or places you'd like to take this kind of research in the future? Yeah, I'd like to see how um, this modelling works in different parts of the country. So, you know, what we're looking at is an eastern dryland ecosystem, uh, which is you know, quite different to forests and, and other places around the country. So I'd be really keen to see this applied elsewhere. One thing I'm interested in is also looking at you know, another feature of these mountains, in that we, you know, in these places up high, we have this really strong winter effect where temperatures can get really low. There's like, you know, really heavy snow loading. It makes sense that species that are able to move 
you know, when winter approaches, they abandon these high elevation areas and they retreat to lower areas. So uh, by doing so, they would, you know, their distribution would contract and they would be at higher densities at, at lower points, more convenient points for us to target them. I've, I'm really keen to learn about that and how that can be used and exploited in conservation programs. Finally, this week is uh, Conservation Week uh, with Doc. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm imagining that's pretty important to you and your team. Is there any encouragement you'd like to give to listeners who are keen to get stuck into some conservation efforts? Uh, yeah, sure. Every week's Conservation Week. <laughs> Geez, I'm not sure. I know that this study is... You know, it's it's in the mountains and it's really high effort and it seems grand in scale and that sort of thing. But um, I, the encouragement I would offer is that you know, basically any anybody who's invested in conservation work or uh, involved in trapping programs, that sort of thing, you know, we can we can all learn something um, when we look at something a bit closer or from a different point of view. So I would just encourage you know everyone to not just leave research to the researchers, um, that everyone should be thinking and tinkering and you know, actively working to this goal that we're all you know, quite invested in together as a community. Absolutely. Every week is Conservation Week. I'll second that. Hey, thanks so much for chatting to me this morning, Nick. I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, congratulations on, on this research. It's a, it's a fantastic study. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. That was PhD candidate Nick Foster talking with me about his research in harnessing natural landscapes to eradicate pests. That's it for the Green Desk this week. Remember, every week is Conservation Week, but this week in particular is actually Conservation Week. Thanks very much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to The Green Desk with Francis on 95BFM. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.